I have the privilege now of introducing you to Clark Richardson. Clark and I go way back. In fact, I knew Clark before I knew my wife. Uh, we go back to Grace Church of DuPage days, uh, and that was before I went to seminary, boy, right out of college. I, when did you graduate from Wheaton? In 1990. So he was a year younger than I was, and um, so I was at Grace Church of DuPage and uh, met him there in the, the college and, and career group as I was going before I um, went off to seminary, actually summer before that as well. And Grace Church of DuPage, just to remind you, planted Kishwaukee Bible Church in DeKalb, which planted... Uh, Rock Valley Bible Church up in uh, Rockford, right where we are. Um, and Clark was involved in a church plant from Grace Church to DuPage about the same time we started Kishwaukee Bible Church. So he and I have been involved in ministry for a long time. And uh, he's pastoring now um, Crossway Chapel of Fox Valley. And a couple men he brought with him. You guys want to stand up? Brent and Glenn. Brent Logan and Glenn. What's your last name, Glenn? Morden. Morden. Great, so greet these guys afterwards. You can sit down. So you can greet them. We're going to have a fellowship dinner after our service this morning. Um, if you're visiting today, didn't realize that, we encourage you to stay. If you didn't bring anything, I encourage you to stay. Um, we always have enough food, and so this is a great time to mix with them, to mix with each other, to uh, just learn about each other, how we can love on one another uh, in the weeks to come, months to come. Um, but anyway, they've come up here from Crossway Chapel, and as you should know by now, we are heading towards joining the Crossway Chapel network. Uh, basically what it means is uh, having other like-minded churches in the region that we can um, do other things with to be helped. We can do, as Tom Harkis always says, do together more than we could do alone. And uh, I've seen and understood this we're seeking to do things up here at Rockford. There's some things we just can't do alone. And so this will, this will be a help. And so what I thought is I was gone this week at uh, Grace Community Church, the Shepherds Conference. Uh, I thought it would be a good week uh, so I didn't have to be burdened with preparing a message as well to, to bring Clark and to have him enjoy and experience Rock Valley Bible Church. It's great. It landed on the first Sunday of the month so that, that our time together can just be extended. Uh, so why don't you come, Clark, and preach the word to us. Thank you, Steve. So good to be with you all this morning. How are you? I'm good. That's good to hear. I, you know, I, um, I want to encourage you. Sometimes it's, uh, it's good to get a little bit of an outside voice, an outside perspective. Um, as you come into Rock Valley um, this morning as I came in, I just want you to know there's a, there's a really good sense of health here and joy and just um, even the, the, the amount of folks that come out for prayer in the morning and then and then just as the kids come in and the families come in, there's a lot of love, people in, in instantly fellowshipping with one another and, and all of that. So it's just a really uh, a great feel and a great sense of, uh, of God's presence here. So I hope that encourages you. Like if somebody coming in the door to, to kind of experience that and step back and, and uh, be encouraged by that. But I need to do something really quick just so I can uh, record this momentous event here. If you guys don't mind, just take a picture of you all. Um, and is anybody here opposed to being on Instagram? Or Facebook. Hey, can you guys talk amongst yourselves? Let me post it real fast. And then, um, no, I not really actually. I'll wait and do that later, a different time. So, but it is so good to be with you, and um, uh, just uh, loved Steve and Yvonne over the years. We've had just a great relationship. There's a few stories I can't tell you, and I won't. And Steve will be grateful for that. But um, there's a lot of more better stories that are good, good encouragement, and we've uh, we've um, kind of tracked together in ministry, and so just grateful for the Lord's hand. 
on you guys' lives, and uh, it's a joy to be here. Um, I wanted my, my wife and family to be here as well, but she's, my wife is a little bit like Yvonne. She's kind of like a musical anchor in the worship ministry, and so she was on the piano this morning and, and couldn't be here and had some other things going on as well. And uh, so since I don't like doing things alone, I brought Brent and Glenn. They're both, both brothers who will soon be pastors, elders at Crossway Fox Valley um, in the near future. So, But I bring you official um, love, blessings, encouragement, all of the above from the Crossway Chapel family. They um, all know that I'm here and are praying for you this morning as we are uh, for them um, from our, our church body, which we hope will, will fast become family to you. Um, even just uh, an hour away together that we, we would, uh, we would jo- enjoy a deeper relationship as pastors uh, fellowship together, as uh, key leaders fellowship together in churches uh, just about an hour away. It wasn't, wasn't a bad drive at all. And so um, a, a lot of you know, as Steve just said, we have a common history of the legacy of Grace Church of DuPage, and we were uh, both sent out of there. And I don't know if you know this, but technically if you take the family tree analogy to its uh, most logical and, and most literal sense, you are actually like the niece or nephew, and we're the uncle. Have you ever done that math before, Steve? Or um, Probably like a long-lost uncle, right, until about two years ago, where I think we've picked up. And now, all we desire to do is to be brother to brother, sister to sister, churches, um, family churches uh, in the Chicagoland and far west um, area of, of Illinois. So um, we're just delighted to, to, to continue to try to forge that relationship. Um, that's going to happen uh, through things like uh, pastors and leaders and their wives meeting together semi-regularly. We've already done that a couple of times and super encouraging times together both in Fox Valley and here um, at the, the Brandon's house. And then uh, quarterly training. We're going to try to do once a quarter some training together. You have already uh, come one time. A bunch of your folks have come and we've done a missional training um, forum at Fox Valley. And then we'll do another one in the near future with uh, where we come here to your turf. Who was a part of that, by the way? Who was a part of that who came to? Um, raise your hand really high. So yeah, a good number of you came out and joined us for that. And um, so we'll be doing more of that together. And then, of course, preaching in each other's churches, like today, um, like we are together in but like Steve said, we just want to be strategizing, working together on equipping and discipleship, uh, leadership development together. We, we can do all these things together uh, better than we can do them uh, apart, for, for sure. And um, ultimately, to multiply churches, multiply ministries as far as God would have us. Um, and we're excited, we're expectant and hopeful in this partnership, in this relationship. Uh, it's so good to be a part of something bigger than yourself, Right? Um, now, the local church is that for you, but then for Rock Valley, the Crossway Network might be that for you as well, and then continue to continue out from there to understand that God is doing this great thing called his mission in the world, making his great name known um, across the nations. And so that's our heart and our desire and our longing, and so to that end, I've um, come to bring Psalm 67, uh, a message from Psalm 67, so grab your Bibles and turn there. And would you do this with me? Can we, uh, to stand together... And in unity, I know you've stood up and down a number of times, but can I have you stand with me one more time? And let's, um, this is a prayer, probably a song um, that the Israelites sang as David led them. And so um, let's read this together aloud, can we, as a prayer to our God. This is from the ESV, and I think the text is right up here, so we're all reading the same version. Let's read it together. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. 
Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Be seated. This is the word of the living God, and may you bless it, and may we humble our hearts to hear it and be doers of it together. And we're going to walk through the text together as you are privileged to do with Pastor Steve and others at Rock Valley. But, but as we get going, let me, let me ask you this question. What, what is it that has driven followers of Jesus over time and over history to forsake all other things for the sake of God and his glory on this earth? When you think of somebody who is really passionate for the mission of God, uh, loves God, loves Jesus, what are the things that are characteristic of them? In fact, why don't you just take 30 seconds, turn to the person next to you and say, I've thought of somebody in my life that I know is super passionate about a love for God, love for his mission, and here's what they're characterized by. Go ahead and talk to each other about that real quick for 30 seconds. Go. So hopefully you've got some ideas flowing as you're talking together. What is it that has driven followers of Christ to forsake everything for the sake of God's worldwide mission, his great story on this earth? What makes some people so kingdom-minded? Now, we all want to be kingdom-minded, right? We want to be living this life for God's purposes, and, um, but what is it that makes people so kingdom-minded. Most of us have thought about this question to some degree in our lives. We, we have to because there is no true Christian alive who has not been sent into the world. You all tracking with me on that? There is no true believer in Jesus who is not a sent one. In fact, Jesus sort of forms his ministry about two, around two key words. The first one is, come, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. What's the second word? Go, right? So you are sent ones like him into this world. We are all sent ones out of this world. So we've got to be asking this question, what is it that makes us kingdom-minded? But We consider the question as most, for the most part as believers because we really do want to be that. We want to be used of God and be more passionate, more involved, more like Jesus in relation to those who so desperately need them. We, him, we want to be on mission, so we think about men like William Carey, the father of modern missions, who preached the gospel, planted churches in India for 40 years without a furlough. Okay? Furlough was not an idea when William Carey was around, and he preached that. There was no such thing from 1793 to 1834. <clears throat> or Adoniram Judson, who was driven from about 1810 to 1850, another 40 years, as the first known American missionary to the Golden Shore in India through unimaginable adversity and difficulty. To take the message of Christ to the people of Burma. Or David Brainer, whose very short life was consumed with the expa- expansion of God's kingdom on this earth through preaching of the gospel to native Indians in New England, New England colonies during the 1730s and 40s. And 
When we look at men like this or women uh, that came along with him, Adoniram Judson brought, I think he outlived two wives who came and, and walked with him and suffered with him and sought to reach the people with the gospel with him. And we look at their lives and so many others who have denied self for the kingdom and for the gospel, the common theme that we find in them is, yes, they thought little of themselves and they sacrificed themselves, but more than that, they thought much of their God. They thought much of their God. They found their gladness in Him. And so they wanted everyone else to know of their gladness in Him. The song of their lives was, like we just read, let the nations be what? Glad. Not let the nations join a religion. Not let the nations have a checklist of things to do and not do. But let the nations be glad in God. They believed, like Psalm 86 says, let me flip over there real quick. Psalm 86, verses 8 to 10, There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any who work, works are like yours. Verse 10, verse 9, All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For who is great and who does wondrous things, you alone are God. And so their song, their, their outreach, as it were, was worship. It was declaring the goodness and the greatness of God. And that is the prayer of our lives. And for our churches, for Rock Valley Bible Church, for Crossway Chapel, Fox Valley, this kind of missional worship would be the, the pounding heartbeat of this church. As you guys uh, just continue to form this base of operation, think about this here. Now, this isn't just like your little gathering place. As, as great as it is and as wonderful as it is, it's, it's your base of operations to exalt the glorious name of God to our world. On the, the corner of, I don't know if you consider this uh, a Harlem and Alpine, or is it Croydon? Is that how you pronounce it? Croydon and, and uh, Alpine? The message of this psalm tells us very simply this. That God is, has favor on his people, but God's favor on his people is for his power in this world. God's favor on his people is for his power in this world. In other words, there, there's, there's a specific reason why God pours out blessing on us. And it's not just for who? Me. Myself and I. It's for the world. It's for the nations, right? There's a specific reason he has graciously responded to this prayer in Psalm 67. For thousands of years, why he equips his church and he gives lavish gifts and tools to the people of God to use for his glory. And that is so that lost people will be found. So that those hostile to God will become the friend of God. Those separate from God will be reconciled to God. Those who are idolaters will become worshipers. That's why God pours out his blessing on us. And now the church has received the torch. The song is the same. Except that now, as we've already celebrated this morning, that the torch is lit with the fire of the completed work of Christ. On the cross. And so when we sing, let the nations be glad, we're bringing them to Jesus, right? We're bringing them to the promise and the hope that we have in Christ and in Christ alone. And the question this morning is this. Are you going to hold that torch high in your life? And are you going to sing the song of worship, let the nations be glad? 
Is that where your life is? Is that where your heart is? Is that, is that where all of your priorities are? We've, we've got to pray together with the psalmist this morning for God's blessing on us. Yes, we pray that, but so that we might be God's blessing in the world. So God help us, right, with this joyful mission of worship in our world, in the community, in this city. Um, isn't it interesting that God has placed two churches now in the number two and number three population cities in Illinois? Aurora and North Aurora, Aurora which is basically Aurora, and Rock, Rockford. That God would reach many for the sake of, of the kingdom of God. From this place into the individual sphere of influence that each family here has as you live and work, as you function in your neighborhoods and with your children. And, 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 and all of it is an amazing privilege that we have to, out from this place, touch each person with the, 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 the message of the gospel. How does that sound? Is that, is that a good plan, do you think? It's, it's kind of like we should be going, well, it's the only plan, right, that, that God has for us, and that is that we worship him and we worship him out in in the world. So let's see if God will stir our hearts here. I, I know that I trust that he will. Um, I have three Ps for you this morning. I'm not a big alliteration guy, but it was so easy in this text. You know, it just, it just kind of came. And P is like the easiest letter, isn't it, Steve? It's like there's so many words. So first of all, we got the petition for God's blessing, verse 1. What is a petition? He's crying out, leading God's people, the choir master, and he's saying, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Read that aloud again, would you? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Familiar benediction, right? In the church today, it can almost become like routine that we, we ask God to shine his face upon and his favor on, him, on us for his purposes. It's a prayer that was actually formed in the tradition of Israel's priesthood long before the uh, the, the psalmist wrote it in Num- Numbers chapter 6. Israel has been freed from Egypt. The law has been written. And now as they're wandering in the wilderness, Aaron and his sons are being taught to be, to be by God, to be his priest. And, and, and Aaron prays, the, the Lord spoke to Moses, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Going uh, even further back, another 500 years to Abraham, right? In Genesis chapter 12, God said to him, uh, Go. There's that word again, right? Back in Abraham's day, Go, I will make you a great nation. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, I will bless you, I will make your name great, so that you will be famous and well-known all throughout history, and because you're a great guy. No, he says, I will make you and your name great, so that you will be a what? Blessing. So that it's going to come through you and out from you. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And has always been God's intention to bless his people so that they might bless the nations. There's always been this sort of spreading circle of God's blessing uh, on the earth. It never stops with his people. It goes through and out of them. So as he pours out his grace, his blessing, and his favor upon his people, and, and we live it out and we speak it out to any and all who will listen, who will hear 
We become an instrument of God's blessing to them. We take up Abraham's cause, right? We are one of those stars. Remember when God took Abraham out into the wilderness and he said, look at the stars of the sky. That's how many your descendants will be. That's you and me today. We're his descendants. And we we spread the, the message of God's blessing in the world through Christ. And so today, the church, uh, this church, can pray with this exact same faith-filled anticipation, even expectation, that God's going to bless his people and empower our lives for something very purposeful. So do you believe this morning that there is no better place to be than in God's favor for God's purposes? Think about where you sit, not your pew, but think about where you sit When you cry out to God and you say, God, shine your countenance upon me. Would you, I desperately seek you, would you shine your face and your favor upon me? God is not just doing that so that you can have a comfortable, easy, uh, carefree, pain-free life. He's shining his blessing and his favor on you for his great story, his purpose in this world. And that is to make known his blessing in this world. Do you believe there's no better place, no better view than the shining face of God upon you, upon Rock Valley Bible Church, upon his purposes for you in this life. There's no greater desire. When you're a true child of the king, there's no greater desire. And he supplies above and beyond any source of temporary pleasure. He he wants to give us true delight in his blessing so that our heart will sing to the world Come, delight with me. Come, know the true pleasures there are in God. Forsake all the the waste and dry white bread crumbs out in the world and come and know true feasting, true joy, true delight in God. I want you to know the supreme joy of knowing this creator that by his grace I've come to know. That's exactly where the psalm goes. So a second P, there's a petition, right? Look at verse 2. The purpose of God's blessing. See how easy it is? It's like the the peas just, they just flow, right? Verse 2, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us so that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Um, Are are you in this moment catching the God-sized view of all this? That God wants to bless all the nations through his people. This incredible vision of faith that sees all peoples, every nation, under the gracious rule of a glorious God. Two things we want them to know. Two things that are going to accomplish that. God's way and God's saving power. You see them in the verse there? God's way and God's saving power. As God is gracious to his people, verse 1, the world, the earth, the nations will see the potential of his way, his way of grace for them. As God's favor on God's people, in verse 1, pours out, they will know the potential of his saving power for them. We're a conduit, right? And and, and so what is God's way? What is God's saving power? Well, you make a big jump in history um, from his promise to Abraham. God, uh, Calvin calls this promise the spring of salvation, his promise to Abraham, God's covenant. 
God says of his people this in Isaiah 49. He says, Israel, my nation, my people, big jump historically, continuation of the same promise. I will make you as a light for the nations. I will make you as a light for the nation that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. It was always a Jew-Gentile plan. Right from the very beginning, it was always God's people would be the, the, the nation on which his light would shine, and so that light would then shine out into the world so that all the nations might be blessed. And so this might be uh, too simple for a church instructed like you guys, um, but what does light make you think of? Who does light make you think of? You can answer, it's Okay. Jesus, I'm hearing some Jesus, some Lord Jesus Christ, right? Who is God's way of salvation? Jesus is God's way of salvation. And God's saving power culminates in him, in Christ, and the fulfillment of all of his promises, including the one to Abraham, in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus himself called himself the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 14, verse 6, right? Because he was and he is God's way of salvation. He is that the streams of living water that flowed out of Jerusalem. And so it's like this. God's people in Psalm 67, with the choir master leading them, they prayed this prayer, this song. They sang it, God be gracious to us. God answered in Ephesians 1, and he said, in him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. You see, God has answered this prayer, hasn't he? And he continues to answer it. He will continually to faithfully answer this prayer so that his way of salvation will be made known on the earth. You have received it. This morning, if you're a man or woman of faith in Christ, you have received it so that you can pour it out. You have received it so that you can give it. You have been blessed so that you might bless. Will you embrace God's mission for your life? Will you embrace the very purpose for which you draw breath, for which your heart beats to pour out the blessing of God on those in your life. Will you, again, uh, if you're sitting there going, okay, this is another burden I carry. This is another uh, thing I have to do as a Christian. No, no, no. The, the reality is here we have a, an act of worship. It's a song we sing because we love Jesus so deeply and we see the greatness of our God. And so we're just worshiping and exalting him and we're splashing out his grace on the people around us because we love our God and we want to worship him. And so it's like you're singing to the nations, right? Be glad in him. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Wouldn't necessarily advocate that as an evangelistic tool to sing to your coworkers or anything like that, but the heart of it is that you're splashing out God's grace and his kindness on people. This is what God's doing, and we have the privilege Think about it, the privilege that we have of being, being on the journey with him, just like in the flow of what he's accomplishing, what he's doing. You're not stirring it up, neither am I, right? None of us are, but God has filled us with his gladness so that we might pour it out into this world. It's the reason why you don't want your life 
to be at all about the status quo. You don't want your church gathering to kind of go through the motions and, and do religion. I think somebody prayed, it might have been even, I think it was you, Steve, prayed out there in the prayer time, God, just guard us from routine, guard us from religion, guard us from just getting in this stream of just doing things the same way over and over again and not worshiping you and not, not making our lives count for something by God's grace. It's the reason that we would want to do all that God would enable to for, forge a family partnership between our churches. So, so that w- with a church like yours, so that it was so like-minded, so um, focused on the mission and the, the purpose of God, so, so point for point uh, like-minded theologically even, that we might join together and sing this song better than we would on our own, singing it together. So, so where are you with this? Let me, let me just ask you to uh, say this at Crossway often is just put your your hand on the pulse, right? And take a pulse. The centrality of God's mission and his purpose in this world are, are utterly clear. Um, all throughout God's great story and his word. So are, are you wrapped up in it? You, you look at your life and you look at priorities and you look at where time is spent and, and you look at all the resources that God has blessed you with. Are you, are you just tied up in this mission, this story of God? out of adoration for him, right? out of a love for him, delighted to be more and more engaged in his way, proclaiming his power for the lives of people around you. Is your level of focus and, and, and your focus and your devotion to God's mission, your kingdom-mindedness, is it a reflection of your affection for him? You know what I mean by that, right? That God is he's big and he's glorious and you see it and you know it and, and you get more and more of that view as you go further and further in life. And, and is it spilling out of you in, in a way that shows your affection for him, your love for him, your worship of him, your delight in him? Why is it that you think, this is a, this is a question that often uh, pastors ask, but I think the whole church needs to be asking. Right? Why do you think it is that, that, that like a true sustained vitality on mission and on vision and direction for the church. Why is it so difficult at times? Well, there's a lot of reasons, right? We could, like, even your minds might be spinning now, and maybe you're blaming someone or something. Or, but what is it? Why is it so often difficult to sort of sustain this passion for the mission? There's a lot of reasons. But what it is for me so often, it comes down to just my own song of joy and my real gladness in God. It's not in keeping with his greatness. Right? Christianity becomes routine and it's not about worship and love for God anymore. Anybody with me on that? Anybody deal with that? You can raise your hand. It's okay. It's safe. No, I'm the only one here today that deals with that. No, okay, so six of you also deal with it. All right? The sense of just like I'm just caught in this routine and I'm just I'm just going along and, and all of a sudden God's spirit awakens me and goes, Look, there's something more here, Clark. There's worship the heart of loving God. And that's when his spirit prompts me and I cry out for renewal and I repent and, and we're needed. And he carefully reminds me again, this is all about me. It's all about me. It's not about you. It's about you worshiping me. <laughs> and my sovereign place is your greatest joy, your greatest delight in all of life. See, that's the only way that we're going to be able to look out from here 
from this place out into your neighborhoods, right? And out into the people in your spheres of influence. The only way you're going to be able to look out there and go, hey, everybody, be glad in God, is if what? It's if you're glad in God. It's if I'm glad in God, right? That's the only way that we can call people to worship. Well, so then what will happen? Well, we'll see, we see the, 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 the petition, the purpose, and we're going to end up seeing the product of God's blessing. God, be gracious to us. Would you, would you bless us, please? So that in turn, we can bless and see the nations join our song. And now here's the product, verses 3 to 7. Look at, look at what we can expect to happen as a result of the knowledge of God's saving power on the earth. First of all, we long for the peoples. That's our friends, right? That, that means the nations. That means those outside of you, right? For If we make the correlation between um, you know, the ancient, uh, the ancient uh, Israelites here, the nations were those outside of them. So I think you can make the jump and say the nations represent all those outside of you. Let the peoples praise you, he says, verse 3 and 5. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. And then he repeats it again in verse 5. There's this sustained passion to see the nations worship God. See, we, if we have the heart of God, we would much rather they join us in praise to him than continuing on to live a life in their hearts for some other God, some other pleasures indifferent to him. I've heard a statement many times that helps tie this to our relationships with the lost world. I don't know who said it originally, but it simply is this truth, that outreach, evangelism exists because worship does not. So reaching out to people, John Piper has said it often, but he always says, I got it somewhere else. He doesn't know either. But outreach exists because worship does not. We proclaim him because the nations do not praise him. We praise and worship him because they don't worship him. And so as those following the way of the cross this morning, we say to those that are not, come, praise God with me. Come and praise him. Know the joy of of forsaking your sin, repenting and turning to him and surrendering to him and praising him for his goodness. We want the people to praise God. So we long for the nations to praise him. We long for the nations, our friends, to be glad in God. Verse 4, look at it. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon the earth. If we have the heart of God, we'd much rather people experience gladness in him than continue on to live with a heart that is seeking satisfaction in all kinds of other garbage in this world. People that are dissatisfied or distant from God. The evil one will always leave people high and dry, offer all kinds of pleasures, and then, then abandon them. And God, on the other hand, continues to pour out lavish blessings. So obviously, as Christians, we understand there's no greater source of gladness than to know we've been rescued from sin according to God's way of salvation. That we are, that's what we are saved from in this life. But look what verse 4 gives as the source of this gladness. It's in coming to know God's way of salvation, the nations will also understand that they are now under the rule of a perfectly upright king. Now, I don't know where you were during the election cycle this last time, but I was longing for a perfectly upright king. Not that we have a monarchy in the United States, but we have 
supremely imperfect leaders. Jesus is the one who will come and make it right. And he is the one that we are truly under. And so the cry to the nations in this verse is to stop striving. Think about them in their day. Right? Under the impression and the injustice and the tyranny of earthly kings who fail so miserably at ruling their subjects. So we invite the nations, understand that you can be glad if you turn from the pagan gods, right? And you bow and worship to the one true God who is perfect and powerful to lead all the nations of the earth. See, lost people need to see that submission to the rule and reign of God is a thing of gladness, right? We're not, we're not signing them up for a religion, right? We're not calling people to something that will constrain and control them and ruin their lives. We're calling them to someone who will free them and give them ultimate, eternal, unending joy and delight. And that is God. So we, we, have, to, um, we have to bring sin to bear, right? We have to call people to righteousness. We have to point out the reality and the problem of sin, right? But we also need to hold out the honey, We need to hold out the joy. We need to hold out the satisfaction that there is in God to the nations around us. Understand that you can be glad in a perfect king who's fair and gracious and upright and holy, lavish in blessing. That's that's where every subject wants to be, right? Under the ultimately benevolent king. That's who our God is. That's where we want to be. And this is what will produce the song of joy. And so as those following the way of cross, then we must call to those without it, come, come and be glad in God. Be glad in him. Stop, stop trying to be your own king and enjoy the perfect rule of God. Come and delight in him. Come and delight with me because of his way of salvation in Christ. And so it's a message of joy. It's a message of delight. And so follower of Christ, here's the question this morning for you. Are you glad in God? And, and if you're not, if you're going, wow, it's just, it's like, it's stale and it's, I'm hurting. And it's like, what is it that's, what's there? What's clogging up the conduit? Is there unconfessed sin? Is there relationship difficulties? Is there a heart that you've cultivated that's hardened against the things of God that you need to repent of and, and know the full joy of being His? Are you glad in God? And, and no, I, I didn't ask you, are you glad in all the gifts that He gives you? Are you glad in all the stuff that he gives you or all the benefits, which are many, right? But are you glad in the giver himself? So we come to the end of the psalm, verses 6 and 7. He shows us the heart of anticipation we all can experience in God. It says in verse 6, The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. What's he saying there? Simply saying, look around you, nations. Look at what God has done. He has yielded increase to us. He's given us all abundantly for our physical needs, the things that we need around us. I think he's talking about the crops, right? He's, he's yielded his increase, and he's given us all that we need. He's blessing us. Look at the increase, O nations. Be impressed with what God has done. He's abundantly provided all that we need. But don't be mistaken here. The true and lasting source 
of our salvation, our praise, our gladness, and yes, our, our fear, our reverence to God is his grace to us, his blessing on us, his face shining on us. That's what we cling to, not the crops, not the blessings that he pours out or the gifts, as many as they are and as good as they are, but to his face, his countenance looking upon us, to him. So we want the nations to praise him. We want them to be glad in him. Finally, with David, we long for the nations to fear him. And, and this is somewhat the beginning point, actually. We want them to fear God. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. If we have the heart of God, we would much rather they fear him than to continue to live with a heart that is irreverent, that's rebellious and fearless. In wisdom literature, you've probably been taught this before, that the fear of God is really, really the pathway to knowledge, the knowledge of him and his wisdom. Fear of God really is the picture of that Old Testament believer on his face, bowing in reverence in subjection and honor to the one true God who deserves it. It's, it's that act of faith whereby the Old Testament believer falls on his face and, and can enter the presence of God only through repentance and through honor and through, through a, a true delight in him and a true subjection to him, a true reverence for him. And so until this fear grows out of a heart of reverence for God and drives people to his perfect love, which uh, John says casts out fear, First John chapter 3, then it is, it is terror. It's a cause for shrinking back under the righteous and equitable judgments of God. But when God gives faith and pours out grace and opens our eyes to see, that fear becomes reverence and it becomes delight and it becomes worship and it becomes honor to Him. And so as those following the way of Christ, those who have learned to fear God, we must again look out to the nations and say to them, come, bow before Him. With the reverence and honor that is due his name, he is your creator. Come and worship him with me because of his way of salvation in Jesus Christ. Our blessing to the nations is to give them the knowledge of God. Right? And, 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 and to give them, them his way of salvation that they might praise him. They might be glad in him. We're inviting people to worship God with us. In fact, maybe, maybe you're here today and... That's by God's design, and you've always thought of Christianity as religion or control or boundaries on your life. And, and maybe you look at it, and depending on where you are in your faith journey of God is working on your heart or drawing you, you, you really think that things are kind of okay the way you're running them. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe someone here. Or maybe you've sought joy and you've sought pleasures in all kinds of other places and they have failed you and you know it this morning. Can I tell you there is something greater? There is something greater. There is true and lasting joy through faith in Jesus Christ. Through finally falling on your face, crying out to God, recognizing who He is, who you are in your sin, trusting Him, bowing your heart and your knee to Him. And He has promised you Hear this this morning, if you've not trusted Jesus, he has promised you to grant the greatest joy, the greatest blessing possible. That is to know him, to know him face to face, to have his, his shining countenance upon you. And followers of Christ today, 
Do you know someone who needs this message? Is, can you pull out a pencil right now and write down three names of people in your life that you know are not worshipers? And they need to become worshipers because, because they're, they're lost. Their eyes have not been opened. Are there three people? Are there four? Are, is there one person in your life that you can sing this song to, this call to worship? Are you delighted to sing the song of gladness in this life? Does the world know you as a worshiper? When you, when you go out into this world, out into this life, or people come into your home, what do they know you as? Friends, this is not a guilt trip. This is a, this is a true, like, take a pulse, go, okay, does the world know me as a worshiper? Well, I think on Tuesday they would have. Thursday, maybe not. Friday, a little bit better. God, help me. I'm in this process. God, grow me. Make me more of a worshiper. Make me a man or woman who delights in God as a way of life. Charles Spurgeon concludes this psalm like this. He says, The far off shall fear. The ends of the earth shall end their idolatry and adore their God. All tribes without exception shall feel a sacred awe of the God of Israel. Ignorance shall be removed, insolence will be subdued, injustice banished, idolatry abhorred, and the Lord's love, light, life, and liberty shall be over all. The Lord himself being King of kings and Lord of lords. Is that the picture that you wake up each morning that you have in your mind's eye? To, to live out God's gracious favor in your life. He has, Ephesians 1, poured out lavish blessings to you. That means that he doesn't just take and fill the cup like just barely enough to get through. So you've got a couple sips. But he's continuously, lavishly pouring that so that it continues to spill over into the lives of people around you. Are you living that way? Right, Just as a conduit. I mean, think about this Rock Valley Bible Church. Wow, this is amazing. This, this, the reality is this all started from about 100 people faithfully clinging to Jesus, faithfully carrying the message of God's grace and the gospel to the lost. And a faith-filled vision sees that God is on His throne and His glory is not just touching parts of the earth, but it's filling the earth. From, from a hundred faithful followers or more, and now billions of people know that God is great and He is worthy to be praised. But there are still so many more. So many more of God's people out there that He's drawing and calling to Himself that He wants to use us for. What a joy and delight, a privilege to be the conduits of His gospel grace, pointing them to the way of the cross. And so I hope and I pray and I trust that, that God is growing this perspective um, in, in the heart of Crossway Fox Valley, in the heart of Rock Valley Bible Church, in your heart, so that you might live each day focused, God's favor on you and his saving power among the nations. He has not lavished his blessing on you for you. He's lavished his blessing on you for the nations. Can become, this can become a familiar chorus that we sing, like one of those songs that you just can't get out of your head, you know, not that you would want to, but let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Can we stand again and can we, let's pray this prayer one more time. Together, stand with me and pray it aloud. 
As we live another week scattered as grace people out in this world among the nations, among the peoples who so desperately need to know his way of salvation. Lift your voices this time, this morning. Right? Lift your voices and let's ask for God's gracious blessing one more time. Here we go. Verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. That's our prayer this morning, oh God, as, as a church, as churches uh, just an hour apart, together as we partner and we look to see you build a family relationship for the sake of the gospel. Our prayer is that you would bless us, oh God, that you would cause your face to shine upon us, lift up your count upon, countenance upon us and give us peace. Not so that we can be comfortable this week. Not so that we can have a pain-free, carefree life. But so that we can spread your glory on this earth as you fill it. God, you are good and faithful. We know that you will carry us as we scatter out into this world. And we seek to declare the message of your goodness through Jesus. It's in his name we all pray together. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.